Well, good evening, everybody. It's uh, another conversation with Agility by Nature with me, Ian Gill. It is the evening. It's been a long day. It's wine o'clock. Now, today's guest, I've been uh, really struggling to get the appointment set up. We've had diary crashes. We've had broadband problems. But today, at last, we're all settled and ready to go. Today's guest is Nigella Kane. And have I got that name right? I've got a feeling I've kind of fluffed it there. Yeah, you were almost right, Ian. It's nasal. Nasal. Yeah. We practiced it, and I was thinking about what I was saying. I got it wrong. I do apologize. Nasal. Nasal. Yeah. So the good thing, nasal, that when we're a bit late on getting these things organized, I get more time to do research. <laughs> so I've been looking around and we will talk about your career, but you've got some fantastic things. You've got a lovely digital footprint. And first of all, um, writer, you're an author the, of the house is the house. I am really your home. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later on. So we got, that's the, I love the bit of, <laughs> <laughs> it. It's Nature always by my side, Ian. <laughs> For those who are listening, nature's just held up the book, bit of product. Um, <laughs> so we've got writing. Um, you've also got uh, four years radio experience. You were the radio presenter, uh, Voice of Africa, uh, Africa and Street Life. So uh, I have asked for tips. Um, it hasn't worked. <laughs> I'm not hopeful. Um, and then deep in the bowels of YouTube, I did find some um, Ibethan stuff. So we've got <laughs> raving writing and radio. But by day, actually, uh, your main career, and you've got a great career, and it's uh, actually as a technology trainer, IT trainer. Uh, correct. Yeah, and some of the guy and some of the companies you've got under your belt. We've got three: the mobile um, giant, uh, Microsoft, um, the heat, huge uh, software giant, and you were then for a few years, uh, and, and Motorola, which was one of my favourite handsets in the days when we didn't have iPhones. <laughs> so, uh, you've you really cracked out. And also, uh, I noticed you've got an, an awful number of um, numerous uh, coaching certifications uh, and training certifications. Certainly in the early 2000s, you picked something like that. So thank you so much for joining us. So you didn't start with technology training. Was it HR training you started with? Um, I have done HR training, but I didn't start with HR training, funny enough. So um, I kind of did start with technology, but it was more telecoms. Okay. So, um, so how I kind of transitioned into training, I started off my career, first of all, selling mobile phones. So I worked for... T-Mobile, now EE, and um, we used to have these reps who used to come in from the different suppliers, so um, you'll have one from Nokia and one from Samsung and Motorola, um, and what ended up happening is the Motorola rep, um, he used to come into the store all the time, and um, we had quite a good relationship, and um, when there was a role that came up, and then he kind of uh, put me forward for this position, so, so what he used to do is essentially come into our store, promote the phone. <laughs> so, you know, anything new that was coming out, any headsets, anything like that. He, his job was really to just go around all the different phone shops, make sure everyone knew what, what was new. Um, and then kind of write a report back really about, you know, how it's selling in different places and run incentives. So um, I ended up getting the same job as him. So that became my role, kind yeah. of pr promoting at promoting the phones or field marketing is the official term. <laughs> um, and then um, at some point it turned into training. So um, store managers would say to me, you know, could you kind of run a training workshop with our, our team on how to sell a phone or um, how to use the megapixel camera or whatever it was at that time. And um, yeah, so I started kind of running little training sessions and um, Eventually, I moved on to free mobile, where it was actually a field training role. So it had the same similar characteristics as such. Um, but again, go into different phone stores and head offices and call centers and training staff really on how to use the, the phones and, and also how to sell them. So there was a lot of sales training and um, soft skills as such, you know, how to speak to customers and build rapport and stuff like that which was fantastic and that's hardcore that's hard work isn't it do you know what i i didn't find it hard and i think oh, you do need to be uh... <laughs> <laughs> <Only have> water. 
I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's a yes and a no. So when it was the, the promoting side, yeah. it was a lot easier than when it turned into training. Yes. And I think because really you were just going around different, different phone stores. Um, it was a very male-dominated industry, which um, well, made it easier for me, I'll be honest. <laughs> so I, I'd be going into kind of, the, you know, these little mobile phone shops, you know, the store managers, maximum age of like 25, 30 or whatever. And I would be in my early 20s. And it, it just made my life really easy because they were just really accommodating because I was a female yeah and um yeah so so we used to have KPIs where you know we've got to visit a certain amount of stores per day and you know are you able to talk to someone so we could get our poster in the window and stuff like that so my whole job really was kind of talking to these staff and managers getting them to or persuading them to kind of promote our product over Nokia's one or whatever and um, and yeah, I was really really good at it. So my my management at the time they used to love me because they're just like. And also, I was based in in London, so um, a lot of my team. Well, we it was a it was a national business, but we had a team which would have you know somebody in every major city. So um, so I don't know Birmingham, Manchester, or all, all of them. But obviously, London was always the hub. So all the, the biggest stores was in London and all the head offices were in London and stuff like that. So again, you know, if I got a manager to, to help me, you know, me getting a manager to help me would be like 10 times bigger than, you know, the guy who was based in the village in Merford Tidville in Wells or whatever, you know. So, <laughs> so I used to get really good results. And a lot of it was just down to the fact that of where I was based as well. Um, and then the other thing they used to do, so I'm probably talking a bit too much about this role, but, um, but basically, um, <laughs> yeah, I did, I did, you know, like for a young person at, at that point, you know, they gave me business cards and a company car and, you know, it was just the first time where I felt like a real professional, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I got a job and, you know, I'm a professional. And um, so, yeah, so the other thing they used to do is they used to sponsor a lot of events. So um, still talking about Motorola at this point. And, um, and so they would sponsor a lot of festivals or they'll sponsor, again, there might be a big product launch. I mean, um, as an example, whenever there was things like London Fashion Week, if they had like a trendy phone coming out, they would sponsor that so that they can now promote this trendy phone. Um, but the great thing about it was, you know, they always needed somebody from the brand to go down there and represent. So although for a lot of people, the role was kind of an, a nine to five as such, for me, they might be like, oh, you know, we're going to give you VIP tickets to this PR event in London. <laughs> um, and all you need to do is just go there and make sure as many people see the phone as possible. And then you've got tomorrow off. I was just like, this is a dream for me. <laughs> I was like, no problem. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that was fantastic. And a lot of the time there'll be celebrities there and stuff like that. So I did, I did really enjoy that role. Um, and it only really came to an end because it just got to a point where, where do you go after this, you know? So yeah. um, there was no real career progression. And, and if you did want to move up, you would be an account manager, kind of office-based, sitting behind a desk. And that wasn't what I enjoyed about the role, you know? So that's where I, I moved on to different companies and doing more training stuff around it. It's, and the training, I mean, you know, I think what's interesting is, is listening to you is I was thinking, how many people have you met? How many phones have you got to learn? How many people <laughs> And I was just thinking, just the sheer numbers of it. I was, I mean, you've got to be super engaging, get the, make the pitch, hit the mark. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I mean, we used to have um, team meetings in our head office and there would always be some new product coming out, you know, so whether it's just a new phone, but I mean, to be fair, once you kind of knew one of them, you knew all of all of them. I mean, you mentioned that you've got an iPhone. Yeah. So um, you probably know from the last time you upgraded, there's not much difference from, from the new. It might just be one feature. Yeah. So for us, we would literally just go around promoting this, this new feature. You know, it's got voice recognition now or, you know, it's got MP3 ringtones. Like, this is showing my age now. But, you know, it was literally... Um, you know, just the smallest things, but it's the type of stuff that would get the phone um, staff excited. Yeah. So yeah, so it was it was really good. 
and and I think it's but I guess the, the real training is people, isn't it? Meeting lots of different people and establishing. You, you mentioned the word rapport, and funny from my notes, I was thinking, you know, as a trainer. I mean, I remember learning and I've gone on training. My, my first learning really was all like everybody else at school, wasn't it? You know, the smell yeah, of, of course. And don't get the question wrong when the teacher starts <laughs> you know, on you. you think, oh, um, but when you're dealing with adults, you've got to create rapport. Yeah. And you've got to impart knowledge. So Absolutely. I was thinking about that. And the thing about the training is how, how do you approach training? Because I've done some training. I've taught yeah. people about user stories. And by God, the amount of effort you have to put in for uh, an hour's worth of training. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, you know, just, just based on my career, I would say that there's two types of training. Right. So you get, you get training where you're imparting knowledge onto people. And when you do that, a lot of it is just really being able to manage people in a room, which I'll kind of talk more about in a sec. Um, but then the other type of training is more facilitation. Right. So you might know that you need people to get from A or they need to get to, to B by the end of the session. But you're not telling them to get to B. You have to kind of go all the way around the houses yeah. so that they get to be on their own. <laughs> now, that's a lot more challenging because you have to make sure you're writing, not writing, saying or asking the right questions. Um, and you kind of know when people get the light bulb moment, like, oh, okay. Um, which, to be fair, my, my book is, is a bit like that. But again, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, yeah, but, um, but yeah, so, so it's facilitation where you're, you, you might start with a topic and you know, you know where you want to go. And you have to almost um, use every question that comes at you to redirect it back to where you want it to go and at the end you really need to not have told them the answer they need to have come up with the answer by themselves um, and so within that you could get people kind of maybe challenging what you want to say or, or not getting the point and then you know you have to now ask certain types of coaching questions so you know if, if you was in a situation like x how would you manage y and you know what they're going to say and you know that that's then going to steer them down to that b that you're trying to get them to type thing but you, they never know that that's happening because they're saying their responses type thing you're not telling them what to say if that yeah. makes sense <laughs> so um so so yeah so training and facilitation is very different um, in my opinion, I think that facilitation is a much harder skill than yeah. training. Yeah. Um, although with training, you do need to know what you're talking about. So where I'm in technology training <laughs> at the moment, um, I think the biggest challenge really with technology training is, you know, you might have a bad day with the internet <laughs> or something like that, you know, but really and truly like once you know what you're speaking about and you structure the session um I, I find technology training pretty pretty simple really? um yeah I, I find it a lot easier like you know the, the hardest part of it is the fact that it changes all the time so you have to always be on top of things yeah. um and you will always get someone in the room who maybe knows a little bit more than you or I mean, you, you get that with all, with all training, really. And again, that comes back to how you manage people because um, there's lots of little training skills around that as to that, you know, how you can use people in a room to your best advantage. Um, and while we're talking about it, because sorry, I know I'm going on a little bit, but um, when I worked for Free Mobile, we actually did a training course where we incorporated cells with NLP. So uh, I don't know how much you know about an linguistic programming. Absolutely, yes. Right. So, so for any of of the listeners who maybe haven't heard about it, it it's very much about um, I would say um, people's behaviours as such. Um, and so when so so the N is, is neuro, which is all about your brain, and the L is linguistics, which is all about the language that we use, um, both uh, verbal and also body language as well. And the P, programming, it really talks about our internal programming and why we do the things we do, yeah. as you know. Um, so it was interesting because what we realized when we was um, 
teaching people how to sell is that um, a lot of it came down to how they were perceiving customers who came into their store and stuff like that. So we went through a whole training program with them to kind of talk about, first of all, building rapport with the customers and how to do it effectively. And, um, and we did um, quite a lot of things where like we would say, you know, um, let, like, as an example, we would say, you know, if you knew that somebody was coming into your store ready to buy a phone, you know, maybe they've called you 10 minutes before to say that they're buying this phone on their lunch break. How would you be when you, when you approach them, when they come into the store? And, and you know, all the salespeople would be like, well, you know, I'll be excited. You know, obviously I know they're buying, blah, 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 blah. And then, um, and then I would say, okay, so what about if you, a normal customer, how are you with them? So all of them would be like, you know, most of the time they're time wasters, you know, they're in there, they're just looking, blah, blah, blah. So I'm, I wouldn't be as excited. And then I always used to tell this story, this, this, it's actually a fake story. Anyone who knows me, who I've told this story to, I'm sorry, but it's a fake story, right? <laughs> well, but I used to say <laughs> that, you know, sometimes we, if we think that somebody is a time waster, they become a time waster. Right. And then, so I used to I tell this story. Based what you think they are. That's it, you know, it, you know, it comes back down to, you know, I don't know how kind of spiritual you are and stuff, but, you know, they say you can speak things into existence or, you know, what, what you think about, you receive and all that kind of stuff. It, it all falls under the same umbrella. But, you know, the, the thing I used to say is um, there was this one time where I, it was my birthday. My partner at the time had given me um, some money to go and buy myself a handbag. And it was quite a lot of money. And I went down to this shop um, in Kensington and it was just this little boutique shop. And I saw this handbag that I really wanted and I'd walked into the shop and I was looking at the bag and I knew I wanted it and no one in the shop approached me. And I was waiting for help and no one approached me and I was, I was really upset. So I thought, you know what, I'm not gonna buy my, my bag from here. Right. So I went down the road and I bought my bag um, you know, I just, um, the lady in that store approached me and she said, oh, you know, how can I help? And I said, you know what? I want to buy that bag. You know, here you go. And I spent 600 pounds on the bag and that was it. And I say, you know, the point of the matter is because the people in the other shop thought that I was a time waster, I became a time waster, yeah. you know? And so you always have to have the mentality that everybody who comes in your shop wants to buy and if you have that, you're going to start selling more, more phones. And, and that alone just made the sales go up, you know, like, so we ended up having like a massive increase, 70% increase or something on, on sales. It was massive. Yeah. Like um, around the country and stuff. And, and not just that story, it was the whole course, but yeah. it was all around the, the same type of things, which is, you know, a lot about building rapport with customers and, you know, how you speak to them and also how you think. So, is that under like the umbrella of rehearse it going right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I heard what you said. Say that again. Was, your question. Is that the umbrella of uh, rehearse it going right? Yeah, basically. <laughs> we think like too often. <laughs> we rehearse the hell out of that going right. Um, so, coming back, so, and, and I think that's really interesting because. I'm thinking now some of the, you're doing much more corporate training, in-house training, and I'm guessing, is it a mixture of things like, you know, learning 365, but is there also customized courses in there? There are, absolutely, yeah. Learn sort of company platforms, and then you've got to reiterate it and regurgitate it back to people who are probably going for the first time, never seen this platform. So I'm yeah. like, crikey how'd you learn it how'd you structure it how'd you get them on board yeah there's a huge investment by companies in training it's, you know you, you're taking your time your money people are coming in that's their time their money and you how, all the questions <laughs> like, how do you structure it how do you essentially how are you going to embed the training because i get a feeling that X amount of the training is still going to stay in the classroom and not go with the people and leave it. So how do you maximise that bang for buck? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, when it comes to technology training, no, do you know what? I was going to say it's, it's easier to measure, but actually I don't, I don't think it's easier to measure because you can still measure change in behaviour when you do soft skills training as well. 
But um, so the first thing I will say is um, I think that is the skill of people who are in positions like mine, which is where um, when you're a technology trainer, you tend to deal with a mixture of really techie people. So, you know, the, the, the typical IT people as such who, you know, they know their staff, they're very, very knowledgeable but they don't really like people. <laughs> and so, you know, and not, not, not in a rude way, but, you know, when it comes to... <laughs> I'm sorry, if you're, if you're a really techie IT person, I... On behalf of all IT people, that some uh, people do like IT. <laughs> <laughs> and no, uh, you know what? I, I take back my comment. But what what I mean by it is, you get you get a lot of IT people who are more comfortable behind the computer, exactly. and then you get yeah. exactly, and then you get the other two. Um, they're comfortable with the people or engaging with the people, and so I think people who are in positions like me tend to be the gap or the bridge as such yeah. between the the people, the end user, and the really technical people. Um, and so um, you, you may, you probably know this, but there's becoming an increasing need for this role, which is called change management. Yes. So a lot of um, organizations have project management. And if you're a good project manager, you, you have change man management skills as well. But um, what a lot of organizations have is um, very logical, focused project managers but are not necessarily, they're more on the, the techie side of things and yeah. deliver, deliver the project, but they're less about the people. Yeah. And so this new role, this change management role, is very much sits alongside a project management position and it focuses more on the people side of things. So as you, you know with, I mean, I would say any project that involves people should have some level of change management, but there's lots of projects that don't involve people at all. And so I think that's where there's a lot of project managers who don't have to think about that side of things. But, um, but the point really that I'm making then is that the, um, the change managers, they, um, they make sure that the people have a good understanding about every step of the process. So, so, so as an example, um, a technical project manager might need to let the business know that something new is coming out. They might say it in technical speak, you know, we are delivering X, Y, Z. Whereas a change manager would say, great news, we are going to be upgrading, making your life easier and blah, 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 and that type of stuff. So from an from a end user's point of view, they were already infused about this new thing that's coming out and, and that type of stuff, you know. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a really um, great skill to have. So the reason I, I spoke about this or brought it up is because um, my role kind of sits within the change management cycle. Right. And so I, I like trainings in there, communications in there, and general kind of user engagement but um so yeah so one of my my kind of skills as such is to be able to take really technical information and break it down into end user language as such you know um and so as much as it's it's training that i'm doing you know i might be doing classroom training a lot of it is also speaking to people and making sure that they get how this technical thing is, is simplified one and two the benefit of it for them so that they're they're bought into whatever rollout we're doing and that's it really it sounds like you're, you're sort of converting training almost into a sales role kind of um yeah i mean i guess so i i think when people think about sales they always feel like oh you know there, there's this monetary benefit for the person who's selling or whatever but I suppose essentially it is a sell, but then that like, isn't everything a sell really. Like, like, you know, like, you know, someone might totally disagree with me, but I think most things are sells in some, on some level, you know, you, you've got kids for an example, well, I'm assuming, no, no, you did, you told me you, you've got kids, right? So, <laughs> you did, yep. Yeah. Right, so. Do I have kids? <laughs> <laughs> I look at you, your face look different. I was like, did he say you had kids? Yes, you've got it. Child, he's born in October, right? So. <laughs> but, but, but for this benefit, um, uh, 
and there's been birthdays aplenty and we were talking about what is it about September and October that has so many birthdays <laughs> yesterday my birthday's coming up my daughter's birthday yeah anyway so I have two kids you're right yeah should we should we tell them why it's so it's such a popular season <laughs> you're, the guest, you're the star huh you're the guest you're the star Oh, okay. Well, for those listening, because it's September, in case you listen at a different time, and um, there, it's the end of September, and there's, it's a very, very popular week for birthdays. And I was just saying to Ian earlier that the reason why is because we are the Christmas babies. Wow. So, yes. yeah, we are. <laughs> but um, but I, I was going to say, you know, um, children, they're selling to us all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So a lot of the time they, they want something. It might be, you know, daddy, I like your top or I like this, I like that. Can I have ice cream? <laughs> you know, but they're, like, they're, they're talking about your top to do the, the sell for the ice cream, if you know what I mean. Or, you know, you go out on a date with somebody or you go to a restaurant and, and the waiter knows that, you know, the only specials they've got are, you know, one, two and three. So they're like, you know, we would recommend one, <laughs> you know, because they know they don't have the things that, you know, you, you might want to choose yourself. And um, yeah, so the point I'm making really is I think that selling is a part of a lot of people's day-to-day lives, whether they realise it or not. So, um, so, so actually, so this is, yeah, you, you've, you've got complicated platforms, you've got more generic platforms. So I guess selling work, oh, selling, sorry, training about <laughs> Word or one, uh, uh, 365, yeah different from a highly bespoke customized company platform but you've still got this group of people um how do you set the room how do you get the trust because it's all about rapport and you've got i guess you don't know apart from job titles you don't really have a clue who the, who the hell you're walking into do you yeah i mean i tend to do a lot of the training coordination as well so rather than me just turn up into a room blind, I've, I've probably sent the emails out, I've probably written the communications email to invite them to the training in the first place. So I already know that on some level they know the benefits and their gender and that type of thing of what, they wanna, what they're going to get out of it. Um, and a lot of the time people do email back. So once you've sent through an invitation, sometimes we might even ask them to, you know, please, yeah confirm your attendance or whatever it may be and then you, you start liaising with these people so they, they already have an idea about you know who you are and what you're going to be teaching them so that helps yeah. um and I would say um without going off topic because I'll come back but I will say that the most challenging types of training is when you've got people who they don't want to be there they've been told to go and and I and I dealt with a lot of that when I worked in HR So as an example, you know, somebody is underperforming. So you now need to go on this training. Uh, Yeah. And so they don't really want to be there, you know. So so that's that's a harder sell because you have to get the buy-in from, you probably spend like the first part of the course getting their buy-in, you know, them seeing a benefit of why they're here other than you might lose lose your job, you know. And then, um, yeah. (laughs) You call that an incentive, couldn't you? (laughs) that's it so it's it's, you almost need to find the angle and and again it probably comes back down to to what you said selling you know you have to sell the benefit to them and and the benefit might even be you know you're going to learn all these great skills that even if you don't stay here you can take away in your own personal life or or whatever it is but you have to be so careful with you know what you say how you say it and then you're dealing with different characters all the time so you know, you might get the, the person who really, really wants to try, but, you know, they're just crap at what they do or whatever, sorry person. But then you might have somebody else who, do you know what, I, I'm just working here because i got bills to pay, but I hate my job and I, I don't want to try. And, you know, if I can just get away with just getting my paycheck without having to invest anything, I'm going to continue. And you, you're always dealing with different different types of people you know so mm-hmm. that that is challenging but so to go back to the when you get into the room and stuff um so I do different types of training I do face-to-face training in a classroom um I do online training like behind similar to what we're doing now on a, um, a zoom call or Skype for business teams 
Um, and then I can also do things like coaching as well, which might just be one-to-one training or even just a small group of people yeah, yeah. at a time. And depending upon what method you're using, it's a very different type of style that you need. Um, and even the type of training, because when I train in technology, more often than not, everyone's got to come in with their laptop and you know we're doing hands-on stuff to say but when you do um soft skills training depending again even on the course but i mean i've had i used to run a, an induction when i worked for free mobile actually um a retail induction so when people first start their job they had to go through i think it was like three or four day and um the way we used to always set the room up is it used to be in a u-shape there was no tables and so we used to have it where like a lot of people are used to just sitting behind a desk with a, a notepad and a pen. And we used to have it where, no, we're going to tell you stuff and we want you to be interactive and engaged. And it's, it's less about you taking notes we'll, and we'll send you, you know, the, the, whatever the PowerPoints after or whatever you need. But we want you to be hands on in this session. And um, it just made it a very different vibe having a room set up like that so you you do you do have different types of training and you'll set the room up accordingly depending upon what it is that you're doing so that is i hope i answered your question there absolutely i mean i think it's 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 it's, how do you know um yeah coming back to the, the the original investment of time and money and i can understand how you want to set it up to maximize success when people leave the training, how do you know how well you've done? Do you think, yeah, I've, I've landed it today. They've got Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I wish I could spend another three hours in the class or even actually, I think I might want to work with them for two weeks in the job itself. But, <laughs> yeah. Know, landed it or do you know anything? In... Yeah. Do you know what? It's, it's a good question. And I, I guess there's two folks to it. Um, so one is the just the immediate feedback or even the body language, you know. So little things like if people leave your training room smiling, <laughs> they, they had a good session, which yeah. is good. Um, and and what, one of my things in general is to always have a clear ending to, to a session and to end on something fun. So um, if I do technology training, which isn't always easy, I mean, the, I used to train a course on Skype for business and it was really easy doing it with that because I used to do little interactive bits at the end and that, you know, tell a joke and then they kind of clap, hey, that's the end, bye, fill out your feedback form, like, and that, so, but that, that is, that is another way as well as the feedback form, <laughs> so, so, you know, um, but, um, what was I just about to say, yeah, so, um, I totally forgot what I was going to say. You know, I was going to say it's not always as easy as that if you're doing a really serious subject. And so um, in the contract that I'm in now, I was training on, on SAGE. Um, and SAGE basically is mainly used by accountants and finance people. And um, again, a lot of people like that. They're very logical and structured and stuff like that. So it's not really a, a place to like throw a joke in <laughs> or, you know, like, it, just, it just doesn't sit very well with um, that type of session. So you really know, I would say, if your session's good in places like that, if, um, again, like you get a lot of questions come through, but you can tell that they're not, you know, you haven't explained this type of questions, but it's, oh, you've explained this, that I want to go deeper now into yeah. the next level type question. So, so you can kind of pick things up from there. Um, yeah, I would, I would say really, yeah, if it's, if it's a, um, a verbal face-to-face, you always know by the body language. I mean, I've had sessions where I've got a round of applause at the end and stuff. So I'm like, oh, that was a good one. <laughs> but um, yeah, but I think when it's um, online, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to know yeah. Yeah. because, you know, you, sometimes the camera's on, other times it isn't. And um, so you're just like, you know, are they even listening or they're watching Netflix in the background? Like, <laughs> like you don't know what's going on really, you know, so... So I always try and make sure that there's different interactive things within the sessions and stuff. And if people are getting it or, um, you know, if there's a little giggle or something coming out of it, then, you know, yeah, they're engaged and that's yeah. it really. But yeah, that, that's really how you know. 
It's a shame, isn't it? I, I think, um, I mean, you know, the companies I've worked for, they do training and it all seems to get boiled down to the, the feedback sheet and out of 10, who do this and anything. Surely there's more texture than just that, but <laughs> how do you get the feedback? That's um, it. So obviously people, rapport, and I think what I'm sort of getting uh, an impression, just the sheer range, you know, you talked about, say, we've talked about all different technologies and customer. Jesus Christ, that's a lot of IT stuff. <laughs> technology trainer makes it sound like it's just one thing, but you're literally going across all of that range. So you're sounding like you're, you, you have to think on your feet as well as do all that background. Yeah. And what have you. Um, so it makes me think about then your book because oh. lots of preparation <laughs> and it's your personal project. It's not someone said it about Sage. This is your chance and your choice to tell people what you think. So do you want to give us a quick rundown of, of the book, The House? Yes, sir. The House, the place you live in, really your home. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let me start by showing you my book. And I can see I should have put my light on here, but I think, I think we'll... Uh, well, if it's um, podcast, don't worry about it. It's a lovely cover, though, of a house. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so, so my book is called The House. Um, the House is a metaphor for the UK or any Western country. And um, the idea of the book is that it is written to, um, or, or it really explains the difference between people who were born in the house versus people who have come from abroad to live in the house. Um, and so what it kind of does is, it's a short story, but it kind of follows the journey of a character called Shireen. Um, and she literally kind of goes to different rooms in the house, which um, are really different, um, different places, i.e. Um, schools and banks and hospitals and stuff like that. And she goes around and she just starts asking questions. And um, the, the call to action from the book really is to just have people thinking about doing things, not, not necessarily following the, the way that society tells us to do things as such, to just kind of be open-minded about the different things that, that we learn. Yeah. Um, so, so as an example, um, we, we always get taught by the education system, everybody does. And within the education system, we always get told that, okay, you go to school, then you go to college, if you're lucky, you go to university, you get a job, you work your whole life, you get married, you have some kids, you retire at 65, and then, or whatever the age is now, I can't keep well, up. Um, yeah, <laughs> so that's it. And then basically, you die. And, that, and that's how we're kind of told to, to do life as such. Yeah. And, um, and so it just kind of talks about, without going into any major detail, but it just kind of talks about, you know, we don't have to follow the structure that we're told to, you know, maybe maybe we don't want to get married or maybe we don't want to follow the traditional educational route. We might want to do our own thing or we might want to set up a business and retire at 40 or whatever it may be. Um, so it's just, it just kind of talks about, you know, be aware of the strategy, if that's even the right word, of what, of what we're being taught um, and to not be afraid to do things your own way is the call to action, yeah. Well, I, I, I think that's interesting because the power of norms to make you, I was going to say norms to conform, which sounds like I've been a poet, but the power of norms is actually quite hard to throw off. Uh, yeah. And, and I think there is a bias for people to sort of conform. They don't like to step outside. So it takes a lot it takes it does. to stand outside, doesn't it? Yeah, big time. I think it's one of the hardest things to do. You know, because it's very difficult to think outside of a box that everybody else is in. And so you, you get influence from every angle. So if I decided I want to step out of my box, just say, I've got my teachers, if I'm at school, telling me, nope, get back in the box. And then I've got my family because that's, what, that's where they've been or what they've been taught to get back in the box and then your partner maybe has a, a different mindset you know get back in the box and then so you're just kind of like why am I it's easier to stay in this box you know what I mean like there's, there's there's no pressure here and but then it's only really the people I think who they're either 
strongly believe that they've got a purpose or a, a big passion or something which makes them want to get out of this box you follow through on it or those who are, are big dreamers who are like you know life's got to be better than this box you know like <laughs> you know these, these brown walls and you know this cardboard uh, you know I want to see I want to see the world or whatever you know so they want to come out of this box and um but yeah I do I do think it's an extremely challenging thing to do and you know, what well, I was speaking to a friend this weekend actually, and he said this um, phrase which has stuck with me. But he said, you know, everything in life has a trade-off. So I was like, what do you mean? And he was just like, you know, if you if you decide that I don't know, you're going to chase your career, you might not find your, the love of your life. Or if you decide that you're going to start a business late, you know, you might never have children. Or if you decide that I don't know. I don't know, like there's, there's a trade-off for everything, basically. You know, if you want a massive family, maybe you'll never be the CEO of the company or, or whatever, like as a woman, you know, um, uh, from that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there's just different things, but, you know, they're, they're not necessarily like factual or whatever, but I thought the, the concept of it was quite interesting, you know. So, you know, you can't, I don't know, be super skinny, but then decide that you're going to have McDonald's every day, you know, or chocolate or whatever it is it's just you, yeah, you there's always a trade-off somewhere for something that you that you want may have a trade-off for something else that you could potentially want as well and I thought yeah um, so I yeah that was it really although in strangely that might even be a norm if you think of your record yeah yeah it's true as an example you can't have the career and the family that's, yeah. that's kind of a, becoming a norm, isn't it? And I think people are yeah. challenging that. And actually, we're yeah. going through a bit of a norm breaker because of the wretched pandemic that is COVID. Yeah. You know, now, people are having to refashion their lives and their businesses very, very rapidly. And yeah. then, of course, in the matter, actually. So they've got to change. Yeah. People are saying, I like this change. And some people are saying, I hate this change. And all sorts yeah. of Yeah. <laughs> sort of things going on um and i think it's been we've got another god at least 12 months of this to go it's crazy so yeah so the working from home the career all of those things and actually maybe you could have your job and you could run your job from a little flat in crete rather yeah than <laughs> in brixton and it's true you it's know. true, and you can have your babies and be babysitting there and all sorts at home now. You don't go into the office. <laughs> Do you think it's more, uh, yeah, it should be more empowering for women than anybody? But then you've got the other side of it. There is trade-offs. That, you know, there are businesses te- suffering terribly because of the whole thing. So we exactly. Shall, we, we shall see. Oh, you're moving around. So um, <laughs> I thought I'd better put my light on for, for those who <laughs> might be watching. <laughs> So, um, yeah, no, I totally agree with you, actually. I, I actually think around that is um, as much as we're breaking norms, I feel like we are in a position where, where we are being forced into new norms of which we, we don't know what these new norms are yet. But I think there is, you know, without sounding like one of the conspiracy theorists or whatever, but I think there is an agenda to get us into new norms. I'm just not sure what those new norms are. And I, don't, and I don't think they're necessarily better or worse. I just think that there are some new norms coming. I think definitely. Well, things all settle down. They get into new patterns and new ways. And, uh, and, and, and actually, you know, you've got to remember how disruptive technology has been in those things as well. You know, Absolutely. We're having this conversation, recording it. Uh, yeah. The opportunity to put it on podcasts and, and, and YouTube television and, and so on and so forth. You couldn't have done that in 1972. Exactly. No, no way. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And the, the thing is, even this time, maybe two years ago, people were not even comfortable to yeah. do stuff like this, you know? So, so where, where um, I don't know, like I said, you know, doing a, a training session over the internet is, is kind of my norm. I know loads of people who had never, ever gone on to Zoom, you know, before this pandemic or right. never used Skype or Teams or never did a, a live on Instagram and, and stuff like that, you know, and it's forced people to embrace technology, yeah. which is great. It's, it's, 
it's either a really good time or a really bad time for people like me because it's either good because there's such a need for it but it might be bad because it's like oh this is not that hard actually (laughs) I could do this myself I don't need a trainer I don't need a trainer for (laughs) I think there's always going to be a role for people who like people and can set a report and engage you and you are definitely a a people person Uh, thank you you've also done something that how many people have you met who said I really must write a book and you've actually done it. So you're an action person as well. Yay, I am. And you know, a lot of people have said that to me as well. They said, like, you know, I've always wanted to write a book. You've inspired me to write a book. I'm going to get my book out now. But it's kind of like, you still haven't done it. You know, just do it. Get on with it, you know. But I, I am very much that person as well that, um, you know, may, may be a good or bad thing sometimes. But, you know, like when I start something, I just want to get it done. That's one. And also, I, I think I get some type of pleasure in challenging myself as well. So I think the book for me was, as, as much as it was a lot to do with just the fact that I had a story in my head and I was like, I want this, I want this down. It wasn't even so much I want this out there. I just wanted to write it. Um, and when I started writing it, I, I, didn't even, I wasn't even writing it as in I was trying to write a book. I was just writing a story and I wrote it and I was like, oh, this is quite good. Um, and then I, I sent it to my little sister and I said, um, yeah, I wrote something, you know, read it. And then she read it and she's like, nay, this is good. You know, this is good. Um, so she's like, you know, maybe add this and add that. So I was like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. So then I like kind of added bits and then it turned into like more chapters. And I was like, oh, okay. And then before I knew it, I had a, a book. So I was like, okay. So then again, I, I just, I wasn't even sure if I was going to get it out. And then... I started having conversations with different people about concepts that I wrote about in the book. So I kept going, do you know what? Like, you know that thing you're talking about? Like, I wrote something. I'm, I'm going to send it to you. And then everyone I sent it to, they were like, make this into a book. Make this into a book. So I was like, okay. And then I was just like, how do you make something into a book? I don't even know. You know, like, well, how do I get a book cover? How do I publish? What fonts do I use? Like, I just didn't have a clue. So I had to teach myself all of that. And um, yeah, then I just got it out there and I was really proud of it. And even now, you know, I'm literally getting calls every day of people who have read it and they're like, wow, you know, this is really good. And I really love how you wrote this. And um, this this happened to me this week, actually. So um, when the book first came out, which was November, and again, I just kind of only told my like, close family and friends and stuff. Like, I was a bit scared to, to put it out. Yeah, it was just like, oh, gosh, like, once it's out there, that's it. I'm exposed, you know, if my grammar's crap or anything, like, everyone knows. Um, but basically, um, I, I, met, I went to a poetry show, and I met this girl there. And um, I, was, I had a copy of my book with me. It was just in my bag. And then she was like, oh, is that, is that a book or whatever? So I said, yeah, yeah, this is like my book. I've, I've written it. So she's like, oh, I do a, a book club. So she's like, you know, I'd love to review your book. So I was like, yeah, cool. You know, so I made the, I didn't even give it to her. I made her buy it off me, <laughs> the book. <laughs> and and um, yeah, so she basically reviewed it. But it, it was so silly. I didn't change, um, exchange any contact details with her or anything. And um, literally, so this would have been last November, this week I got a message on Instagram <laughs> saying I've been looking for you for nine months and you know I read your book and your book is so good and I've referred it to so much people and we did it in the book club and you know I just wanted to find you and let you know how amazing I thought it was and I thought wow okay this is very she's like you know I don't know if you remember me we met in the toilets and the poetry show and I was just like oh my gosh <laughs> Yeah, no, you sold your book to me. You didn't even give it to me for free. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was just it was really humbling just to hear that someone went out of their way, you know, just to kind of give me the feedback on the book. Yeah, and and I've had a lot of the same type of feedback from different people. So it's been fantastic. Well, yeah, please. I'll put a link to um uh, to um that well-known online bookseller Amazon at the bottom. Okay. Uh, Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, 
So just, just so you know, before you run off, sorry, it's on Amazon, but it is also on my newly launched um, <laughs> book site, which is called Help Yourself Books. Well, I, so I tell you, I'll, can... I'll put that link in. We'll put that link in. <laughs> cool. I, do you know, it's been a lot of fun talking. It has. And do you know what? Like, we've hardly even touched on, I didn't get into the radio, um, just so many little bits, but you'll have to have me back another day, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> You are a salesperson. <laughs> so, um, if they need, if people need to get hold of you for your training, uh, so we're going to put a link in. If they want to buy the book, they can put a link in. If they need to yep. get hold of you about your training, or indeed if they need uh, an emergency radio broadcaster, happily <laughs> get hold of you. I've actually got different emails for everything. So, um, but um, so. I mean, let, let, let's just stick with, with the book run and then, you know, whoever needs to get hold of me can get hold of me through through that. I'll give them the relevant contacts. But um, so from an email point of view, help yourself books at live.co.uk. Yep. Reach me on there. Um, you can find me online. So um, again, I've got, um, I'm on LinkedIn under my own name. So Najla, spelled like Nay, Neighbours, L-A. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kane, C-A-I-N. Um, so you can catch me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Instagram. So Nay Online for my personal page. Help Yourself Books for my book page. Okay. Um, and for training, you can just find me on any of those and we'll have a conversation. And that's for all technology training, customized courses, as well as the more generic programs. Of exactly. Oh. And, and my, my specialist area is Office 365. So... And I, I'm a big Microsoft advocate. I know Bill Gates isn't everyone's favourite person at the moment, but I, I do love the Microsoft product. Yeah, so. I, I, I use 365, and I'm very, very happy with it. So uh, I'm excellent. I just personally happy with it. Thank yeah. You <laughs> for your time, um, my wine glass is a little bit empty, which tells me <laughs> that we've probably done about our hour now. So much fun talking to you and likewise. Very best going for you. Thank you so much. And you're welcome. I'm and I'm off to have my dinner. What about you? Yeah, I mean I did have a little bit of it before we got on the call, but I'm gonna eat the rest now. So <laughs> Thank you so much. Good job. You're welcome. You have a good evening. Cheers. Bye. Take care. Bye.